Hello and welcome. My name is Assad. My name is Jamie. We're two surgical trainees in the north of England, and this is the podcast that aims to dissect, to probe, to anatomize, and analyze what it is to be a surgical trainee. Welcome to It's Always Sunny in Surgery. Okay, so today in the sort of final part of our three-parter on work-life balance, we are joined by Northwest head honcho, Mr. Nadine Quadra, our major benefactor, Miss Sadie Quadra, and unbeknownst to me until fairly recently, a sort of single surgical power couple in the Great Manchester area. I might uh, have to dispute the power bit there. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you are so far like up rear echelons i'm not saying you're it's a house of cards kind of thing definitely not that malicious or maligned one of you doing any of your roles would be enough but for the for the both of you to both be in these roles is just uh and then you you know in a union seems to me mega and like i'm you know i must be the only person in the deanery who didn't really put two and two together that you were actually married it's, it's probably my own naivety. Like in my primary school, there was there was a girl whose surname was Quadra, and like there's a grocery shop in Cheetham Hill, Quadra Brothers, that I get like the groceries from. Like my surname's Khan, so like everyone's got that surname. So it never entered my head that the two of you would actually be as one. And the thing that I find really interesting <laughs> about that is that you know Jamie's married outside medicine. My wife's a GP. And ultimately, when push comes to shove with careers and things, my career sort of takes precedent. But both of you, to both be surgeons and both do all the things that we know that surgeons do together, to me, seems like you're playing through life on, like, extreme difficulty. Well, being an 18-year-old going to university, I didn't plan any of it. (laughs) It's the first thing. But there is a lot of um, negotiation, I have to say, uh, in our household, loads. And I don't know, I, I will say as a mother, I, I feel that's the biggest challenge for me to to be able to do all the stuff I do, be able to support Nadi in his wishes and direction, and then try and be as as good of a mother as you hope you can be. And those spheres are really the, the things that I kind of concentrate on. And yes, it's challenging. Uh, did I plan it? No. Would I change it? Yeah, there's bits of it. I mean, uh, but who wouldn't? Um, and then I think that the question you're asking is, you know, I don't know. I'll ask you. I mean, does it matter that we're married? Well, this is interesting. You flip the question back. I don't think it necessarily matters. It's just that my outside observation is that anytime like, I have a theatre list that overruns and I text my wife, we'll be home late. She's just like, like, why is it overrun again? And I have to try and explain mm. it. Or there's some disaster. Or, You've got to do this right now. 
We can't we have some like normal time? So for for two people in the same profession where there's there's almost like no give to me from the outside in, like you both must have had some real real sort of bartering and negotiations to ha- to be able to endure the stresses of your own training and accommodate for the other person's training, both knowing that there's some things you can't make concessions on. You know, there'll be days when things don't go to plan, lists overrun, whatever. And, and that is just the nature of the job. Well, I'd say two things. I mean, one, we're not the only couple who are surgeons. And I think we could probably think of quite a few examples, can't we, Najim, in that, in that situation? But the, the other thing I will say also, it's not two people. I have to say, I couldn't have done any of the stuff I've done um, without a network. We went through, not too bad now because he's 15, but a period of time where he had about, I call him, four mothers. Uh, and I would probably be number four. But, you know, you, you're literally running late and uh, you're just not going to be able to pick him up. You need somebody to pick him up. So I had the ENT sister who lived five minutes away from us and uh, she, she would do the, she would pick him up. I mean, there's ultimately loads of people. So to to give it the impression that we managed to handle everything, that's just not true. Um, I think you're right. I think it's definitely a bartering game. I don't know. Did, would I want it any different? Probably not. But it's not been easy either. Um, but again, I wouldn't stop anybody else. I wouldn't say, you know, don't do it either. Uh, I think it's really down to your relationship with your partner and as you're rightly saying with yours is that you've you've come to that happy medium and that's fine i, I don't know about you J- uh, james what's what's the relationship for you well i've, I've kind of got the luxury of having a, a wife who's not medical and, and at the moment it, um is purely looking after our our newborn um and i realize how much of a luxury that is when i, I see people who in relationships where both both of the couple work um, like for example, the other day I, I burst my tire on the way to work and my wife came and rescued me. Um, it's definitely a, for me, it's a blessing that mm. I, you know, have that sort of support network. But I guess, well, you know, you mentioned that you had that kind of support network, um, with other people. You had, we, we kind of just do it together because we've got that arrangement. I, I was going to ask you though, you, you, you mentioned like that you've got the sort of negotiation, the bar, bartering. Do you find, both being in the same profession, that there is a sort of stronger elements of support that you've got from each other, from because you both sort of understand both of your careers. You do and you don't. I think then it comes down to subspecialty, isn't it? Well, plastics like this and ENTs like that. So <laughs> those are the kind of you know you come down to that element of it. But at the end of the day, Nadim knows what a surgical career is and absolutely you know when it's been the low points and I'm sure Nadim will kind of support me in this I said well why don't you just marry somebody who 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 um just cooks for you or something else (laughs) you know I think that is you're rightly saying is how how you manage it um how, how do you kind of share that um challenges and for us it's it is a negotiation it's very much Nadim has a conference in Edinburgh this week for example Nadim wants to be in Edinburgh on Thursday and Friday I'm running our British Society of Facial Plastics meeting in Manchester for two days and somewhere in between that Hashim's got to go to school uh, as well 
I have to say, I'm very lucky. Nadim is very much or very good at compromising. He will say, you know, um, maybe you need to go to your meeting and I, I will have, I'll not. Well, Nadim, you probably uh, just what your last week was like or this next couple of weeks. How many yeah, trips in London have you got? Again, I think I was just listening because I'm learning loads about my own life. It's great, this. I think it's, it's really interesting because um, obviously we don't often talk about this sort of stuff. We spend more time talking about work and surgery and all sorts of stuff. Uh, we rarely uh, get into this sort of conversation. So it's quite an education for us as well to reflect on and think a little bit. Yeah, I think, I think I'd agree with all the stuff you've been saying. I think you often do look back over rose-tinted spectacles. I'm sure if uh, we look at some of the more difficult times, I've probably forgotten those and always think of the good stuff. Um, one thing I was thinking, as we were saying earlier on, um, I think, uh, James, you said about uh, being lucky that, uh, uh, you know, you've got that bit of support. So I've never really thought about it in that way, because it's just the way we've always been, that we've always just both worked. And for me, that is the normal. Uh, I said you were saying earlier about um, late theatre start, um, late finishes and admin and this sort of thing. I used to get a little bit narky about that earlier on, but not so much about the late finishes, but the lack of communication. Whereas now on a theatre day, I don't care what time Sadie comes home. I, I, you know, if it could be three in the morning, I know the neck could be bleeding or there could be a post-op thing. I just, I'm like, oh, you rung me. Well, that's handy. But if not, <laughs> it's fine. I'm more of a morning person and Sadie's more of an evening person. So I tend to go to work at early o'clock in the morning. Uh, but then I've had enough by the afternoon and Sadie's the opposite. She, you know, she likes to start one time as normal and then finish late. So that sort of gels a little bit. We sort of do the same job, but we've approached it in different ways as well. So that sort of, probably has helped us along as well. I, you know, I met wife on the job and when I met her, she wanted to be a physician and she ummed and ahed about, you know, medicine, whatever, whatever. And I said, you know, we were only caught at the time. I said, yeah, it's fine. Do what you like. You know, we'll, we'll make it work somehow. And then I think she got into the the real prospect of actually becoming a med reg. She thought, you know what? Nah, nah I don't want to do this. And then she opted for GP. What that allowed me to do was kind of put my foot on the accelerator and just keep going. Well, if you're going to do that, then I'm going to, I'm going to do this then, you know. But for both of you, you don't just fall into surgery and you don't become consultants by accident. You both must want it. You must have, you both must have been determined to succeed and have the drive. So, I mean, how do those conversations happen as you're kind of getting to know each other and then careers, your careers are gearing up and your, your relationship is getting more interwoven. Oh, he wants the Mills and Boone version. I think let's just stick with the stick with the normal stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Things things may have changed, but you know, when I was a houseman, it very much was your you know hours. You were doing seventy, eighty hours a week, and so you most of the time was actually in the, you lived in the hospital. Oh, actually, I lived yeah, in, the in the hospital for the yeah. first couple of years, actually. And I think over time, Nadim and I met um, basically at work, uh, as you're saying. And um, my, our first meeting wasn't great. We were both actually on call uh, um, on the surgery. Has, uh, I was um, covering the acute and he was covering the uh, surgical wards. And uh, and a perf DU came in and I thought, oh, right, well, I'll go and see this patient and then I'll go into theatre and, and obviously assist because I've said, you know, whatever the reg was going to do. Anyway, I get to theatre 
And what I see is Mr. Quaja there already, or Dr. Quaja there already. I was like double taking, thinking, hang on, I caught this patient in. I did all the prep for it. And yeah, he's there. It happened to be that the reg was his reg. And so obviously they knew each other and, and he'd gone to theatre. So I'm I'm kind of fuming already. Um, and then the best bit, the killer one, was that his his belief is on the side in theatre and goes off. And he goes, uh, can you answer it? And I go, <laughs> yeah, I can answer it. So I answer it. And he goes, oh, can you come and review this surgical patient on, on this ward? So I go, all right, this is your patient on the ward, right? So I thought this is my moment. He'll have to de-scrub and I'll, I'll move in. And, he, and he's looking, and there's no answer. And then in the end, the reg says, oh, well, can you go and see it? <laughs> I was like, that's it, you see. So that started, um, well, it wasn't a relationship then, but that started our first meeting. Oh, the debut rascal. <laughs> yeah. What can, I, what can I say? I mean, I... Actually, I was going to say yeah, slightly like Hustley. I've got no recollection, but I do remember it a little bit. Um, <laughs> yes. but, you know, at that at that stage, there was nothing more excited than you know being three in the morning and being your hand stuck in someone's abdomen with the reg and the uh, SHO. So uh, that's just the way the cookie crumbles, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so you can obviously say I, I don't hold grudges that long. Obviously, otherwise we wouldn't be talking today. Um, you still have you know, like you have core trainings uh, Wednesday teaching sessions. So we meet up on a Wednesday and then go out in the evening as a group and so forth. And I think over time, um, that's where the relationship built. And then you know, at some point, we obviously felt that we would uh, work up, work to get married. And actually, um, you're quite right. The conversation we did have was about what career choices we were going to make. I think we both had already felt that surgery was where we were going. I mean, seriously, you're right. The drive for me was always surgery. I think Nadine probably slightly different. Um, But we came to a point where he'd kind of decided he wanted to do plastics. I knew I was one. I hadn't actually at that point decided. I knew I liked surgery and it'd come down to kind of ENT versus PED surgery. So we kind of had a conversation about, you know, the other two specialties, if we do that, will we ever see each other? And that was a serious conversation because, we, you know, what's the point getting married if you're not going to see each other anyway? And and I think that those are the conversations, you know, you do really need to think about, you know, what is it that you want? Um, yes, to you do need the drive to get to the end point, um, but you need to think about why we're here on this planet and, and what's the benefit. But I, I think for us, it, it was always looking at keeping that balance between work pressures and having a relationship or a marriage that is is a marriage and not simply just a title. And I think you, you can lose that quite easily. Did the um, career discussions crop up earlier than you otherwise might have expected? And the main reason I ask that is obviously when you get to know someone and things start to get a bit more serious and you, you you think you can envisage a future with that person, then you might have an idea of what your life looks like. And then there are roles, you know, there is a, there's a home that you have to create. There's some sort of relationship. And the thing that kind of pulls you away from that home a little bit is are your jobs so was there ever an expectation that one of you might take a little bit of a step back to allow the other person to flourish? 
I don't um I don't recall that as I I do remember having a conversation relatively earlier on about what speciality within surgery. I don't think there was ever a question of surgery or something else between us. Um, I think the bigger thing from my point of view personally, I don't recall, I'm using these words carefully. I have no recollection of discussing about um, different surgery, but for me, one big thing was location. So, you know, as SHO jobs, we're both on the same SHO rotation. uh, So that's fine. Uh, so I ended up in Birmingham as an SHO for a year, commuting after we got married. Then I got a job back in Manchester for two years research, and then an SPR job in Birmingham. And Sadie was an SPR now in Manchester. And I don't know if I was a bit naive or a bit young or just blooming excited to have got a plastics job somehow. I was just like, yeah, right, I'm off. I never really thought about what that meant. <laughs> and Sadie could probably give her a version of it. I'm sure that put us under a lot of stress and strains and you know, probably some conversations would not have happened if I hadn't been traveling up and down the M6 all the time. And, and uh, you know how I'm sure you guys hear it, um, where, you know, consultants of my generation say, oh, well, we worked, you know, four days, uh, weekends, and we did 70 hours and this sort of thing. The thing I heard from my seniors at that time was, well, I heard uh, I've worked in 23 hospitals in my training and that sort of thing. And I'm thinking that doesn't really cheer me up. Uh, you know, it needs to be some sort of regional location so yeah that that was my main uh thing that i remember say so for me it's that female biological clock that hits you uh so you know you get married and you think you're you've got a stable job now that's the opportunity to kind of think about family or, or starting a family probably the most stressful period of our lives i don't know for me uh sure nadim um, where it wasn't as simple as I thought it was going to be. When the distances, um, Birmingham to Manchester isn't, obviously in the bigger picture, probably that bad relative to if you were somewhere south. And what happened, I tell you, is really bizarre because he'd come up on a Friday, uh, we'd have a bing bong fight on a Saturday and he'd be gone on a Sunday. And then that that was that was it for another week. <laughs> that was a good use of our time, wasn't it? You know, it was, it was quality time. Quality time. I could have just gone in my study and revised. You know what? Sorry to share this with you guys, but you know, if you have a biological clock that's ticking, that is like the worst case scenario. <laughs> well, so before that, we were talking about um, uh, whether Sadie would up the sticks and move down to the West Midlands because of the way mm. interdenia transferred works in those days, and we were quite seriously thinking about that. But other family circumstances uh, intervened, which meant I uh, I moved back up to the northwest, and that happened before our son was born. Probably about a year, yeah, six, uh, nine, eight months before then. Uh, so, and that made a big difference to quality of life and that sort of thing. It's making me making my inside squirm just even talking about this. I can't imagine trying to do this and keep a relationship going. Mm. I think you know it's it, it's how much you value the relationship, isn't it? And I think those are the stresses that do break up relationships. How much mm. you value the job? You know, you've got to value the job if you think these are the people that I love most in the world, and I'm not making their life any easier while I do the things that I really, really want to do. Yeah, it is that, uh, it's a really challenge bit in those particular periods of time where where you kind of find, keep your marriage going whilst keeping your career going, whilst trying to 
to look after a child. Um, I think you have those angles regardless of whatever career you choose. I think being in surgical careers, you just dial it up by a, a factor of 10 or something, um, purely because the constraints of unpredictable finishing times, unpredictable stresses. So this is another one. So this is now we've got, he's at school, he's about six. Nadim's gone on, a, shall I say, a jolly to um, Chicago for a conference. As long as you tell everyone I paid for it myself, then yes. That's, well, that, that's quite important. <laughs> After yeah. that, it's definitely a jolly, I agree. So Nadim has very little faith in me. So I'm looking after him on my own for the week. Um, and it's a Friday. I've got double clinic on a Friday. So I've calculated that after school club closes at six and I should be back, back to the school by 5.45 to be able to pick him up on a Friday night, take him home. So, so it's two o'clock in the afternoon, started the afternoon clinic and into it. The on-call person rings me and says, there's a, um, what we call a pyrophangial abscess. You need to go to theatre. And I'm going, okay. My challenge with that case is not the surgery necessarily, it's the process. Trying to get an emergency through on a Friday night in the hospital. I'm like now stressing because it's already three o'clock and the patient's not in theatre and I'm still doing my clinic and I know I'm the only consultant there. Now, you know, you obviously plan to call the on-call consultant in after five if that's the case. But you know these things, they always happen. That The time they get to theatre, it's four o'clock. So you're going to end up doing it. I'm thinking, even if I do this case, it's going to be past five. It's going to, you know, even just starting or oh, oh, getting through it. Now I'm going to have to have plan B ready. So before I go into theatre, I go, right, plan B. I call my brother up. He's, you know, I'm heading to five o'clock. Is there any chance you can pick him up? Anyway, he goes, yeah, that's fine. And I'll pick him up and then take him to my house and you can come and keep you later. And I'm going, right, stress over, concentrate on this operation, get it done. So actually we finished by half five, ring the patient, ring the relative, blah, 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 put all the post-op stuff in. Um, and I'm thinking, great, I'm glad my brother's picked him up because I'm at the hospital at six o'clock now. Um, so I ring him at six, just check that everything's fine and just to let him know that I finished and I'm probably heading back home. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I'm just at the school. I've picked him up. He's in the car. We're, we'll, we'll head out. And I thought, Oh, that's good. It's a say, you know, it's a, it's all worked out. And I'm getting to the car. It's 10 past six, quarter past six. And, um, I get another phone call and he goes, um, uh, I'm still at the school. And I said, why are you still at the school? Um, yeah. So when I picked him up, cause he was the last child in the school. So the teacher who stayed behind left before him and closed the gate. So basically trapped him in the school. So you're now in the school, locked inside the school grounds with my son. Now, what do we do about that? So he says he rang the police and the and the police said, well, we'll ring the headmaster to see if we can get the keys and, and, and do something. I said, fine, I've set off now. So literally I get to the school grounds uh, and the police rang back and said, we can't get hold of the headmaster. So I ring the police. I said, what do you want us to do? <laughs> you know? Um, and he goes, um, well, there's nothing you can do. You, you could ring the fire brigade, see if they can help you, um, and, um, break the lock. Funnily enough, the fire brigade is literally down the same road. So the whole engine turns up and the, uh, fire engine turns up 
big police, um, fire guy, uh, kind of, what do you call them, fireman comes out, says, where's the fire? I said, what fire? <laughs> a fire. <laughs> this is a, a lock-in. Oh, all I want you to do is break the lock, and then we can get the car out, everything, and blah, blah, blah. We can all get home. He says, no, I can't break the lock. That's vandalism. I go, right. Okay, so what's your solution then? Um, yeah, we haven't got a solution. Um, we, then I said, what? There's my son's like six year old. <laughs> well, well, uh, we'll put a, a ladder up to the, you know, to the, um, gate and then we'll flip another ladder on the other side. So he has to climb the ladder and up and down on each side. So that was the plan. So they, he, a six year old had to climb up this ladder and ran the other side and then followed by my brother. At that point, I'm like going, I don't really care. I've just had enough of this. Anyway, um, the fire people were annoyed that I'd actually rang them and I didn't really know much else I could have done. I didn't know in my whole dilemma was whether to ring Nadim or not and whether I should tell him the whole story or not because <laughs> it would, would then support the whole concept that he, he would never trust me again. So, you know, challenges of having kids and, and trying to balance life Um yeah. So Nadim, being a burn surgeon, obviously, I had to have a conversation with the, what did he, went to see the uh, fire engine, fire um, office, whatever you call it. I can't so remember how I discussed it with now. God, I'll tell you. It's out of the you time went to the scene. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I've been quite annoyed about it, but yeah, I did discuss it with someone. The whole story so, sounds yeah. like peak NHS energy. You know, when you <laughs> want something to happen and it just doesn't happen and for love no money, you can't get someone to do the thing. And like, I, I mean, I know the fire brigade do a marvelous job. And they do lots of things, but I'm pretty sure I have seen them fetching cats off objects that they can't <laughs> use. And you know, I don't, I can't see it's that far removed for them to come and do this. We even had a, a pretty good story about them having to come into hospital to remove a piece of uh, my friend's urology reg to remove a piece of um, genital jewelry that would not budge. So uh, I can't see them getting annoyed at like getting a child out of a school that's locked no, behind. No. You know what I mean? That's <sighs> yeah. I mean, I, saying that, these things happen. I suppose that's the thing, isn't it, to say that, you know, you, you when you, whether you want to say this or not, but you take on a career that has the jeopardy of these kind of situations. Um, and no matter how much you plan for life and things like that, there is always going to be occasions like this. I'll, I'll tell you the other one is I was on mat leave and Nadine rings me up at home and says, I'm fed up of ENT. They just never turn up. And I was like, so I, I'm responsible for the whole of ENT now. And I'm going, why? Oh, well, we've got a child who is um, a learning difficult child who needs a couple of things done. So they generally share all the jobs to be done at the same time, which makes sense. But ENT hasn't turned up to put the grommets in the ears. And we can't get hold of them, and blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking, I'm on mat leave with our child, and you're telling me this because... So I got so annoyed, I just said, right, do you want me to come and put the grommets in? Is that what it is? And he looks at me and goes, oh, he rings me and says, can you? <laughs> I was like, well, I can, but do you want me to? And then there's a moment of like, are you really asking me? And then, then it was like, well, you know. I'll put him in in our uh, in his chair and and I'll drive down and then um, the consultant at the time 
did the babysitting whilst I went and put the grommet in. Right or wrong? I don't know. <laughs> right or wrong? I don't understand what's wrong with that. <laughs> I think that's very resourceful. And very I don't understand the problem, and I didn't suggest it. You asked, do you want me to? And I went, it's a question. It was a genuine question. I just said yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Funnily enough, I think all of those experiences has been a very negative on him because <laughs> love no money, he has no interest in anything that neither Nadine nor I do. So I think there is a negative to all these uh, couples getting married to each other and resurgence. I think we all do, don't we? We, we do, that's the whole point of kind of downloading or kind of sharing the day's experiences and and so forth. And we do that, don't we? I think, Nadine, quite a lot. Um, I don't know if I do it more than others. I don't know, James, I'm always interested in how you share because, you know, for, for um, us, it's, I don't need to explain the whole theatre setting. I don't need to explain, you know, I just get to the gist of it, really. Um, but what, how about you? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Because for me, I, I, there's certain things that I can't talk about, mainly because and they take so long to explain, and I can't really explain them to someone who's not surgical, not medical. But I was going to ask: like, do do you find that comforting, or do you sometimes feel that actually um, you might not want to take? It might make, encourage you to take it home more than. No, it, it, I have to say the toughest couple of years is your, when you become a consultant, and I would recommend mentorship because it is really hard when you kind of start out. Uh, and you know decisions are the buck stops at you now Nadine won't know how to manage ENT stuff but he will know how to manage uh, kind of the processes of you know would you go in or not go in uh would you you know how much do you value what the registrar is saying to you those kind of niggly stuff which is really helpful as you start out that reminds me of, um, so I know these are all little stories, but it just reminds me, obviously, where it, it fits exactly under the story of what's it like to be a couple who are surgeons who are married. I don't know if we were consultants or registrars at the time. I think it was consultants. Um, so I remember, uh, Sadie was on call one night. She gets called in the middle of the night, blah, blah. So obviously I'm listening to what she's saying on uh, her side of the phone call. And then she puts the phone down. And, uh, after a few seconds, I go, what are you doing? And she goes, what do you mean? What am I doing? It's about two in the morning. I said, are you not going in? And she goes, no, what for? I said, you need to go in now. And this is just from me hearing her side of the conversation. And she goes, what? You need, you need to, why do I need to go in? I said, because someone's bleeding in their neck and the reg clearly doesn't know what they're doing. Cause I could hear obviously the reg's voice on the phone. And she goes, Oh God. All right. Then right. Fine. She gets up and goes, do you remember that? There was that bleeding, like grapefruit sized thing in the neck. I remember it really well. Um, okay, I don't I remember. remember that. Yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was because that's pretty rare. Because normally you jump out of bed and you're off before I even wake up, and that's very rare. That's the only time I can think of that is um, where you don't take all that information on in the same way, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, I do it much more, um, etc. But um, yeah, so that was a bit of interfering in your uh, uh, on-call situation. Um, it is true. You do get that. Sorry, the, the, I don't know. Actually, again, James, I don't know how you're going to cope because. Over the years, you know, I've listened to every plastics or burn, in, in, you know, conversation that he's had to have in the morning or two in the morning, wherever it is. Uh, yeah, I remember distinctly the um, arena bombing one when that phone call came. I remember the kind of um, aftermath of, you know, big burns when they come in 
I mean, seriously, you know, traumas like that as well. So you do share a lot of that um, together, actually. It does remind you of that kind of, you can't cope if you can't let it out, actually. One of the really important things of being married to another surgeon is that ability to share that. And, you know, it's, it's that old proverb of kind of, you know, what is it? A problem shared is a problem halved. And he only can, he can offer me something that makes sense because he knows what the situation is and he can, he can suggest it in a way I wasn't thinking about it. And I've valued that definitely over, over my career and everything like that. Um, and I think that's, that's the bonus of marrying somebody else who's a medic or a surgeon and so forth. I think, I don't know how you feel about that, James, because you probably need to have somebody else. I've got asset. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> uh, that's that's, equally, that's really important as well because obviously we're talking about you know not everyone's married to another surgeon. So I think we just use the opportunity that we've got to do that. I'm sure there are surgeon couples who are married or doctor doctors who don't use let's say two hospital doctors in different special let's say surgeon anesthetists who may or may not discuss things in detail. So I think it's more about who do you download things to. I presume asset that you you must share with your wife. I do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be honest. I think I'm quite good at compartmentalizing the stressful things. It, what's funny is that we almost met in almost um, acrimonious circumstances. We were both SHOs, and she, you know, she was a medical SHO that thought I was that dickhead surgical SHO, and then <laughs> we were like, "Oh, it's you again! Oh my god!" And then gradually, we kind of like we're now married. So she still hates surgery as a concept. She still like has that chip on her shoulder, like she hates surgeons, even though she's married to me. She always has like this eternal soft spot for, for medicine, which is fine. I was trying to explain like today I did a case, which was good. It for me it was I wasn't too excited when I started out. I was oh, I was kind of routine, a bit boring. It's a bit beneath me this. And then there was some educational stretching to be done there. And there was some actual learning. I was like, oh, it's really good actually. Because I had to go much further. That I had to do, I had to go deep diving down this way and up this way. And I was for a year, it was in the pelvis and it was down in the thigh and it was good. And she was like, ah, uh, cool, great, sounds good. She had no idea what I was talking about. She's like, are you happy? I was like, oh, yeah, kind of like, great. Well, um, save your boring surgery chat. Let's leave it there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of. That is really disheartening. That's so, oh, I don't know. How'd you cope with that? Because you I know that funny. was your moment. You know, you you achieved so much, and it's um, okay. And it was just slapped away. <laughs> That's fine. I'd probably do the same to her. She was watching this TV show on Netflix called Diagnosis, and it's a but it's like set in Mount Sinai Hospital in New York or somewhere clever. And there's this. She's an internal medicine professor. She's very very well clued up. And she gets these bizarre presentations of like this symptom, this symptom, this symptom, this symptom that no one can explain. And then she puts it out to the internet and you'll get other physicians from overseas saying, have you tried running this test? Have you tried doing this test? And she's watching going, oh, this is so interesting. Oh, look. And I was like, I tend to bet you it's going to be some rheumatological thing, like some connective tissue disease, or it's going to be mitochondrial disorders. That's it. Well, or it's like melanoma or lupus. End of discussion. And then she was like, oh, but it turns out it was a mitochondrial disorder. Why do you subject me to this? Like, I'm dying on the inside. The last thing <laughs> I care about. Can we please just turn this off? 
But that's that. I think that's the key difference. She, in her head, is still a med wrench, mm. and mm. I am very much not. So we kind of we thrive off the almost the um, opposite sides of of the you know the, the medical surgical divide. I think the the kind of um, the kind of conversation about the surgery a bit a bit you know you were you know searching and looking. It, it, it is an important thing that you do share, but maybe it's got to be shared with like-minded, you know, people who will value what you're saying, that kind of thing. And that might be your colleagues at work rather than that. I mean, she, she her, her take home from that was you, you seem quite pleased with initially you were sceptical or a bit indifferent to the case, but it turns out you've actually learned something from it and you feel better about your own mm-hmm. ill or progress. That sounds like a net win, right? And I was like, yeah, that that is it summed up. Exactly. It is a net win in my book. And I came away from that pleasantly surprised and happy. So that mm. was, and you know, and essentially she's distilled whatever I was rambling on about into that sort of sentence, which was, that's the net output I'd want anyway. One other thing I was going to ask, I mean, we talked a lot about um, sort of the difficulties of, uh, you know, having a a partner who's a surgeon. But do you think that things are in any ways getting easier for medical couples or surgical couples, for that matter, um, in terms of the support you maybe get from deaneries and um, things like that? Or do you think nothing's really changed? I'll let the deanery man answer that. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for that. I think um, <laughs> easier is a is a, a tricky word. I think hope it's more supportive, but I'm sure in the real world on the ground, it's probably not. Um, I think there's a lot of work around less than full time, a lot of work around career breaks for both partners, you know, male or female, uh, shared care, uh, parenting responsibility. You know, so those are positive positive steps in the right direction it's certainly nowhere near where it needs to be the one thing that the nhs should be doing and i think it's got a little bit better is trying to facilitate a good working environment because if we're caring for people someone's got to care for us um you know some things have got harder and i think that definitely is around salaries and um cost of living i think because registrar couples children you know nannies or schools you know whatever nurseries that sort of thing I, I, I think the challenges have just changed. Um, you know, where I was, when I was starting out, I was probably the first trainee, um, in our deanery who wanted less than full time. Um, so that was a new concept. And I think we're still in that kind of difficult stage of trying to get that balance right. And I think it's it's tough actually uh, and then you know add in all the complexities of covid and strikes and everything else like that it's just getting harder and harder actually i think to even if you're full time just to get kind of a sense of what your training should look like and and whether you can achieve it or not it, it it's it's really difficult of the workforce being the percentage being female um supporting the whole relationship and and you know recognizing a father is equal in in that care of the child uh, as much as the, the mother and that is a personal decision who does what you know and supporting that 
I think it's really, really important because if you don't have a happy home life, all of that plays into your work life and same the other way around. And you've just got to be able to have that happy, supported home life so that you achieve what you want out of your work life. To, to, to even just to be able to smile at the end of the day can be challenging. Um, and for me, a lot of our kind of uh, relationship is about finding the humor in it and humor in the situation, humor in the kind of day to day. You know, Nadim and I will come home and, uh, and we always, uh, Nadim, like today actually, he said to me, What, how's your day? And I, today I said, Oh, this is just a mean average day. So, you know, even when it's hard, and I think going back to the question you asked about the challenges and, and kind of uh, relationship, I think that the, the tough times really are supported by us both being there, done it, seen it, and gone through the toughy times and um, and being able to support each other through them. And I think that really I do value a lot with the relationship that we've got. Um couldn't have done couldn't have done where I am now without him on that front. This is a soppy bit, by the way. <laughs> the surgeons, I mean, there is a soppy yeah, element. It's, it's, the, first, it's the, the first time I'm hearing all this, so this is, uh, <laughs> yeah, keep going. I, I, and the funny <laughs> bit, actually, and you won't believe this, actually. I don't know, you might do. You're right, I don't. Carry on, though. Uh, the so <laughs> names are more soppy of the two of us. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's yes. true. There's no doubt about that. So, uh, but, you know... If, got to take the good times and the bad times and um and the tough times the the running joke in our household is this nadim's worked out the solution before long before anybody else has and his biggest frustration in life is that people don't don't see he says to me um yeah don't do it that way i'm like going why i mean because that's who i am i say why he says it's not going to work and i'm going how do you know it's not going to work? You know, you, I know you know me, but how do you know that it's not going to work? Yeah, it might work. Because, no, it's not going to work. But over the decades of marriage, what I re- recognise is that no matter which way I would do it, i get to his end point. And it was really frustrating, <laughs> really hard to take. But he was right. About you, Nadine, are you agreeing or are you like really? Yeah, quick? I think overall, I was just thinking, yeah, it comes down to your, yeah, as you we've gone through um, ups and downs, haven't we? Like any uh, couple who's been married for this long, well, it's been 23 years now, so it's been, it's been a little while. And, um, you know, obviously a couple of years in Birmingham probably made that go quicker, but, uh, yeah, how do you, how do you take the good with the bad and how do you, um, do that? But I think one thing is, cause I've probably always had a bit of a, not fixed plan, maybe, but always had a, an end goal in mind. Like sort of a bit goal orientated, a little bit different nowadays. Um, but you need a lot of flexibility when that goal doesn't work. Is it a failure, or is it just time to adapt and do something differently? And I think if you're very rigid in how where you want to get to, you're going to struggle because you've got your own wishes and desires, and your partner has their wishes and desires. And obviously, there's compromise along the way. I'm surprised Sadie said I compromise because that's been only a a more recent trait I've developed. That's not been the case for a long year, you know, all the time. And I, and I call myself being very fortunate to have the to have that with Gene, I think. There you are. Oh, that's suppy, isn't it? <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's wait, let's wait for Nadim's silence. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I agree. There you go. You can draw. <laughs> Draw a line under that there, I suppose, if that's as, as something yeah. to get 